You're listening to the Live Happier Longer podcast, episode 38. Welcome to the Live Happier Longer podcast. We're your hosts, Molly Watts and Angela McDade. We are here to help you build the habits of a happier, longer life, starting now. Hey, Angela. Hey, Molly. How are you today? I am well. How are you? I'm I'm well myself. It's very blue outside, so it's always a good start. <laughs> we really, the weather really does well, make a big difference. You know, we're, we're Oregonians. What can we say? Yeah. So you and I both know that life doesn't always go as planned. Mm-hmm. We both have four kids, and I think we can both honestly say that there are things happen. Yeah, there's and ups and downs all uh, the time. Ups and downs all the time, and certainly as people age, things happen. Mm-hmm. We are going to be talking with someone today who really had life kind of blow up. Yeah. Uh, found herself in her late 40s with just kind of a mess. Mm-hmm. And some of it self-inflicted. Self, self-described. Yeah, this, self-described. This was her, yeah, exactly. We, we, yeah, we're not, we have not decided this is what she said. <laughs> right. <laughs> self-described and potentially a little bit self-inflicted, I think she yeah, thought. Or I at least, so. you know, there was some some culpability, responsibility for yeah. her. She made a complete and total shift in her life based mm-hmm. on the fact that circumstances kind of demanded it. Yeah. And took off in a whole new direction, wrote a book called... 50 after 50. That was based on her decision to do 50 new things in her 50th year. Mm -hmm. Things that challenged her, took her out of her comfort zone, and really embarked on a new and inspiring part of her life. Yeah. She shared all of that with us. Here's our conversation with Maria Olson. Hey, Maria. Hi, Maria. Hi. Thanks so much for joining us today. We're, we're excited to get to talk to you and share with our audience uh, 50 After 50. Thank you so much for having me. I am honored to be on your show. Yeah, well, I think that uh, synergy is obviously just very natural um, because we're really focused on helping people, especially at midlife, take that next step and really start making a plan for living the next 50 years of their lives. And obviously for you, that that manifested itself in a little bit different way. There was a little bit more crisis involved, I guess. Yes, um, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So take us, share with us a little bit about how 50 after 50 got started and or where, you know, what happened in your life and what inspired you to start this? Sure. At age 49, I became divorced, uh, separated. uh, Well, my children went off to school, so I became an empty nester. And I also got sober from alcoholism. Mm -hmm. So these three things conspired to force me to change everything about my life. So I, at age 50, decided to try 50 new things to explore the contours of what I wanted the next chapter of my life to look like. And as people started asking me, well, what are you doing for your 50th? And I spread the news of trying all of these things. Women started asking me in particular for my list. So I decided a lot of people were experiencing midlife angst of some sort 
And that my list and what I learned from each of these endeavors could be instructive in helping others. So mm -hmm. I got it published and now have been on a multi-city tour speaking with readers about how to reinvigorate their lives post-trauma or just simply because they want to, that their mm -hmm. lives have become repetitive or boring or that they have been spending their time pleasing others instead of themselves. And 50 is a reckoning point for most people in our culture. Actually speaking, at 50, we are in the third third of our lives. Our childcare responsibilities typically have diminished at this age. And we're in the sweet spot before any true physical decline takes place. Mm -hmm. um, so it has struck quite a nerve with people, especially where I live on the East Coast. And I've had great, experienced great joy in helping other people find ways to become their best version and reinvigorate their life through trying new things and stretching their comfort zone. Mm -hmm. So did you, when you so first, that's why, the why, mm -hmm. yeah, did you, did you, I mean, when you first started it, was it really a journey of self-transformation? Did you have this end goal that you were going to write a book and that you were going to help other people or was it really just more about helping yourself? Yeah, just for you. In the beginning, it was just for me. But then I saw the capacity of my journey to help other people and the ability that I had to turn my life's trauma into a force for good. Mm -hmm. And having lost so much in my personal life, I was energized by finding sort of the silver lining behind my troubles. So what started as a very much a personal quest to figure out who I was and who I wanted to be in the third third of my life became a much more public endeavor and mechanism through which I'm helping so many people. Another aspect to my journey is being a woman in long-term recovery. Part of my recovery is based on helping other people, paying it forward. Mm -hmm. So I experienced the elevation in self-esteem by actually helping people one-on-one. -on -one, and that was magnified by the, by the more public platform that I had via this book and my speaking engagements. Mm -hmm. Right. So that, so, I mean, and I, and I totally understand that. Um, I think that when you come from a place of personal experience and what it has meant in your life in that authentic type of sharing, you often find that, that that sharing in and of itself is helpful for people, just being your authentic self. And obviously, you know, sharing that journey for you, I mean, and, and that crisis was probably uh, not an easy decision. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Yes, it was. And I had to be very careful about not um, trespassing over the boundaries of other family members, my children, my ex-husband. Right. I wanted mm -hmm. to be respectful, but at the same time, I was quite self-relatory about <clears throat> such things as sexual assault that had happened in my life, sexual abuse, and my um, alcohol use and what 
havoc it wreaked on my life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so, okay. So you decide this, you get this, you know, you've, you've got the, the wild hair, you're going to do 50 new things after 50. Tell us about the list. Tell us about how the list, you know, what was the, the genesis for, Mm -hmm. for different things and what, what caught, you know, what, where, where did you first start? What was your first, this is, this is what I have to do and this is where I'm going to start. Okay. Well, my very first thing was perhaps the most radical. I sold most of my belongings, put the rest in storage, and then traveled to the other side of the world. I went to Nepal. I lived high in the Himalayas for two months, volunteering at a school in a village so remote that they had never met a Westerner. I lived with the family in their house with no heat, electricity, or running water, and there was snow on the ground, using an outhouse and helping to bring just a little bit of relief to an area that felt forgotten by the rest of the world. That's a pretty big and, number one, Maria. Yeah, that, that <laughs> that's was a pretty a big huge number one. I, I gotta say and, that that wasn't <laughs> my number one. No. I, I would have, I would not have been jetting off to Nepal. I mean, where did that interest come from? Where yeah. did you even Where did you even figure out that's what you wanted to do? Well, first of all, I wanted to hide, and this was somewhat of a geographical cure for my woes because because I had so much shame from blowing up my family with my alcoholism. Mm -hmm. However, what it became for me was an exercise in cultivating gratitude. I went to a place where the people had so little, and yet they were the happiest people I had ever known. Mm -hmm. It helped me to focus on all that I had instead of all that I had lost. Mm-hmm. And when I got home, I no longer took for granted, and I no longer take for granted now, the the many blessings we have simply by being by virtue of being born in the United States. We will always have clean water. Mm-hmm. I will always have a meal. I have heat. I am able to walk and get what I need. The people in this village had no access to health care. So when, the night I got back from Nepal, I was in um, not a fancy restaurant, but I was in the restroom and I started marveling and I said, oh my gosh, it's so clean in here. You have yeah. paper towels. It smells <laughs> so good. And the bathroom quickly emptied and people thought there was an insane woman in that yeah. <laughs> restroom. But what it did for me is it completely reframed my perspective. That I felt so lucky to have all that I had that I had taken for granted for my whole life. So it set the stage for the next 50 things, which were not so dramatic. Okay, Mm -hmm. good. I was going to say, So (laughs) I I mean, we can't go into all 50 on the show, but Mm -hmm. take us in. but But I mean, so let's talk about maybe one of the smallest things that you that you sought to do that just has made a huge difference Mm -hmm. well the experience in nepal also reconnected me with nature and the healing that nature provides for us Mm -hmm. so now i walk anywhere i possibly can and in so doing i have 
seen so many things that I skipped by without noticing. For instance, two churches in my neighborhood that I've passed hundreds of times while rushing through my life have these beautiful meditation gardens and meditation labyrinths that I've passed hundreds of times and never noticed before just because I was always rushing. So walking brings an instant connection to Mother Earth. It slows you down. I employ um, meditative walking every day. Even if I only get a chance to walk from my car to my office elevator, I take deliberate steps. I concentrate on my breathing. I get myself centered before I enter my busy litigation practice. Wow. So that has been a fundamental change that was easy to do and affected everything in my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's funny. I mean, I literally, we just literally shared on social media a couple of days ago um, about walking uh, because walking is our daily action. Number one is move. And we say it all the time. It's number one for a reason because of its benefits for longevity and Mm -hmm. in in preventing loss of mobility. But the number one thing that people can do in terms of moving is simply walking. And um, and you mentioned what I love about what you said is that you mentioned some of the unheard of or the unheralded benefits of walking. And that Mm -hmm. is simply noticing things that you may not have ever seen before in your in your community. It's the chance to connect with people as you're walking through your your town or you know and doing things of that mm-hmm. nature as well and obviously getting out into nature which yeah. is just you know a great benefit as well so i love that you that that was one of the things that you've you've found in your life that has made a big difference yes definitely tell us about another one of the the bigger moments in terms okay. of okay <laughs> well another thing that i did was i got my motorcycle license Oh, wow. <laughs> I got a motorcycle, which uh, my kids were horrified by. <laughs> For me, it was an exercise in uh, going beyond my comfort zone. And it is quite thrilling to have thousands of pounds of metal at your command, to feel the sun on your skin, the wind in your hair, under a helmet, of course. But what it did for me was... I, it felt, it felt a bit naughty and I liked that rebellious (laughs) feeling. And then when I was practicing my turns in my neighborhood, I came across a woman from my former life, the parent of a child at my son's Tony prep school, whose mouth, whose jaw dropped open in disbelief (laughs) when she saw me. And I could feel this mantle of shame and judgment falling on my shoulders once again. And I said to my shame, I see you, you are not welcome here. So when I pulled over and talked to her and she said, oh my God, Maria, is that your motorcycle? And I said, yes, my, <laughs> my children are horrified. And she said, and so am I. Oh my. And I said, oh, well, gotta go. And I full <laughs> throttled it away. And for me, that was a moment of tremendous growth as a recovering people pleaser and someone who thought I could control what other people thought of me, which is false. Yeah. I was able to drop the mantle of judgment and shame 
and live my life in a way that felt good to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you you so, must have felt quite triumphant in that moment, you know, to, well, one, that feeling of ugh, stuff you. <laughs> yes. Whenever she gave you that look, but also the fact that you said to yourself, what she thinks yeah. of me is is not up to me, it's up to her and exactly move on so that must have that must have felt yeah really quite good I think we heard it, it's I think it was in Rachel Hollis's book that she said what other people think of you is none, none of your, your business. business you know yes. it's such mm-hmm. a it's such a great uh it's really and obviously it's much easier to say it out loud than it yeah. is to really practice that internally all the time but I think there is certainly uh just like you said it's you know telling yourself I, mm-hmm. you have no, you'd have no place here. You know, you're mm-hmm. shaming me has that. I'm not going to feel that. I'm not going to allow yeah. that thought to be present in my day. Yeah. It's empowering. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then that leads to another extremely significant thing that I did, which was to use my time with intention and surround myself with people who helped me to be the best version of me mm-hmm. to stay away from negative people and uh, energy vampire-ish people. Mm -hmm. I like that, energy vampires. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And most importantly is when people ask me to do things, I no longer say yes to everything. I've learned to say, to ask myself the following questions. Is this something I really do? Am I please someone else? Is this something that brings me closer to my goals and my authenticity or further away? Or, and is this something that will unnecessarily deplete me and keep me from doing what I really want to do? Mm-hmm. And if the answer to any of those questions is no, then I say, no, I have another commitment. And that commitment, more often than not, is just a commitment to myself to mm-hmm. recharge or fill my needs, not at the expense of um, not doing things at the expense of my own self. Mm-hmm. So um, we never know how much time we have left in this world, but every day I spend with intention. It's awesome. That's fundamental change yeah. in life. It's a fundamental lesson for sure and something that uh, we talk about all the time, being mindful and, and practicing, you know, taking, living a life that's intentional and making choices about how you, what you're focused on and spending, you know, taking the actions that we say are going to help you live that happier, longer life. Mm-hmm. One yes. of the things that I think I, I want to ask you, if it's not to, and I know this is, I mean, certainly you, you don't wish... Uh, crises on anyone but did you i mean have you found is it possible that your life after uh the crisis and after turning 50 do you have optimism that it's it may even be a, your best life yet and mm-hmm. something that you is unexpected like you know like you said i mean your family kind of blew up and certainly you've you know but is it possible that your your best moments are still ahead of you? I completely agree with that statement. Had you asked me five years ago that question, I would think you were crazy and say, mm-hmm. no, I had a beautiful life. But I was wearing many masks at the time and letting my actions be governed by what I thought other people 
wanted of me. Now I am living a life truly authentic to my values and understanding that every situation and person in my life has a potential to be a lesson to me, to serve as a lesson if I'm open or to serve as a teacher if I'm open to the lesson. Mm-hmm. And now I understand that many of the things I went through were uh, to teach me something about myself. And I accept what happened in the past. And now I'm using my past trauma to inform my work with other people and also to inform where I want my life to go in this chapter. Mm-hmm. So. It is an unexpected result of a lot of growth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's very important. As 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 difficult as it was for you, it's really important to say, okay, that happened, and you you figured out why it happened, and you have grown from it. A lot of people might not have the same forward thinking. They just would sit back and go, "Woe is me." It's been terrible and it's just a terrible life I'm now living. The fact that you have really turned it around and taken all of that experience to turn it into a more positive outlook is really, it's inspiring. It's, it's a great thing you've done. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I have to say that not everything in my book, 50 After 50, is something I will ever do again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so, what, so tell us a couple of those. Yeah, what, are, what, what, what are the, besides, are you going back to Himalayas, the Himalayas anytime soon? Um, I helped to build a library there, so I would like to go back and see, see. the library. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But an example of something I will never do again is I went to an open mic at a restaurant <laughs> And I'm a terrible singer, but I wanted to stretch my comfort zone (laughs) and see what it felt like to be on stage singing in front of a lot of people. So I got up on stage, belted out a song, left with polite but quiet applause and said, I will never do that again. My children are right. I am terrible at singing and I'm proud of myself for trying that and just exploring what that would feel like. So that's one thing how did I'll that, never do again. <laughs> how did it feel? How did it feel when you were doing it? Just absolutely terrifying. Um, it was terrifying. It uh, <laughs> felt like I was imposing on all these people because <laughs> I was so horrible. But it was something that I really wanted to try, and I did go somewhere where I knew no one, <laughs> so that I could never hear of this experience again. <laughs> And and in my chapter called Dating for Dowagers, I talked about online dating, which was a nightmare for me. It just didn't work. I had to try other things to get myself back into the dating scene. Mm -hmm. And it was not online dating for me. That Mm -hmm. was the key to meeting people that I wanted to spend time with because my number one criterion in someone I want to socialize with is that that person is kind and secondly, honest. Mm-hmm. And I met so many people online that were dishonest, even yeah. in posting their, their supposed picture. Look nothing <laughs> like them. 
<laughs> it's like I will be wearing a rose. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and that was that was like, is that the person? <laughs> exactly. For instance, at age fifty-five, I don't mind bald men, but I do mind when a man posts a picture with a full head of hair and shows up bald. That <laughs> yeah. just seems like duplicity to me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. You just couldn't get. Yeah, I can't get past that. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yes. So. Mm-hmm. Share with us just, and, and this will probably be the last story, but share with us if you have one, another one of the bigger ones that, a bigger thing that happened that really has changed you on a, on a daily basis that, you know, something that you look at every day that you are just grateful for in this journey and what has, what has happened. Oh boy, it is hard to narrow it down. I would say one of the lifestyle changes was uh, starting each day with an attitude of gratitude. Every day I write down, I think of five things for which I'm grateful, usually more than that, from the profound to the prosaic. Mm -hmm. And it can be as simple as the fact that I can walk. I, um, my mother just had hip surgery. It's laborious when she walks. Mm-hmm. And I don't take that for granted anymore. Mm-hmm. And framing your day with an attitude of gratitude makes everything go better. Yeah. I, I think that meditation as a lifestyle change, even if it's just the walking meditation for a few minutes, uh, fundamentally changes my spiritual condition and my centeredness and ability to respond rather than to react to any stimulus in my environment. It enables me to protect my serenity and not let other outside influences steal it from me because I'm coming from a place of calm. Mm -hmm. So that would be the simplest way that Mm -hmm. I changed my life. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. So the, as far as what, where this journey has taken you, where you want to see it go. um, I know you're still practicing, as you mentioned, Mm -hmm. as a practicing lawyer, Um, you know, what has happened and and is it, you said, you mentioned going out and, and speaking to, to other women and really sharing your story with them. Do you see, I mean, has this been something where you, it's creating a new uh, goal for you, a new life that you, you didn't really see happening before? It has. I make my living as a lawyer, but my passion is really writing and speaking in ways that help other people. Mm -hmm. So if I did not have living expenses, I would be full-time on the speaking circuit, <laughs> writing articles and books and uh, other manuals to help people get beyond blocks in their lives. Mm-hmm. So I can't do that as a practical matter, but I have greatly increased my speaking engagements and my writing and um, am spreading my messages on many different different platforms. And that has really become a passion for me. Mm-hmm. And none of this could have happened 
had I not gone through the valleys of my life in my 40s and before that. So, yes, I'm quite surprised at where my book has taken me. What started as a very private year celebration became very public. It transformed me and the lives of so many women that have received my message, and it just keeps going. I have as many speaking engagements for 2019 as I did in 2018, and I just keep wanting to continue uh, as long as I possibly can. I have another book in the works, and Awesome. I will keep going if I feel like I'm making a difference in even one person's life. Well, I think your message is very inspirational, and I'm Mm -hmm. certainly glad that uh, we're able to share it with our audience. If people want to connect with you, find the book, uh, where where can they do that? Well, my website is marialeonardolson.com. I'm on all social media as... 50 after 50, mm-hmm. F-I-F-T-Y after, and then the number 50. Okay. And my book is available on Amazon and any bookstore and lots of libraries, actually, since it's nice. a good review from nice. um, um, Library Journal. So it's widely out there, and I love connecting with readers. So please reach out to me through the website or any social media. Perfect. We Fantastic. will, of course, include all that in our show notes as well. And um, just appreciate you taking the time to talk with us today, uh, sharing your journey, uh, 50 after 50. And I know it's going to uh, continue to inspire women uh, through now and into the future. Thank you for all the goodness you put out in the world as well. Thank you. (laughs) Thank Thank you. you. Thanks, Thanks, Maria. Thanks, Maria. Thanks for listening to the Live Happier Longer podcast. Now it's time to move learn, share, give, and let go. Five daily actions to make the rest of your life the best of your life. See you next week. Hey, we are so happy that you found us and we appreciate you listening to the Live Happier Longer podcast. But you don't need to just hang out with us here. Come find us on social media. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash five for life cool. And we're on Instagram at Happier Longer Life. And we're also on Twitter mm-hmm. at Happy Longer Life. So check it out. We hope to see you there.